I'm Yasi Salik, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Prestige TV podcast, a show where if you're hungry, you can dig into our purses, get some cough drops. I'm Charles Holmes of The Ringer Music Show. He's Van Lathan of Higher Learning with Rachel Lindsay. But together, we're known as the Midnight Boys. Pew, pew! <laughs> and we're here to discuss the final season of Atlanta. On today's episode, we're breaking down Light Skinned, directed by Hero Mirai and written by Stephanie Robinson. Yo, Van, I already know how you're feeling because you texted the group chat after this episode. It seems like you're on cloud nine with this episode. Top three episode of Atlanta ever. All right, dude, already with it. But you want to know how I do know this is good TV? How? Because I woke up this morning, watched it, and I was about to text you. And then I was like, let me save it for the fucking pod. That's like, I was laughing like way too much. Top three episode of Atlanta ever. <laughs> I like, seriously, it top three because there's very, there's very, it's very rare in any show it happens with Atlanta more than other shows but that your A plot your B plot like hit together this hard so you have the A plot of Ern's mother actually dad napping her dad father, napping not kidnapping not kidnapping dad napping the father and the familial issues and how that right there leads us to understand a dynamic about Ern's family and to a degree, the relationship between Ern and and Al that we never really, that I never really understood before. I wanted to know how are their cousins? How are they related? Why is there that 
familiarity there, but still a little distance. They're a lot different. You know what I mean? But you get it. And I understood it better when I understood that this was a father that had dropped seed all over Georgia, right? As and as that, your as your father, rest in peace, right. through many podcasts, you have told me he was known to do. Right. So you have these people in your family who you are related to, but the friendship bond that you might have with them or the animus that you might have with them actually means a little bit more than whether or not they're your cousins or anything like that because the family is fractured in a way. And, I, and seeing that on screen represented in that way was very interesting. I'm going to come back to another point about that later, but then also the father. Wait, the before fa- you're spoiling everything, let's let's give the audience wait, a little bit of summary. Wait, we're talking about it. This is a reaction podcast. And I want to give them a summary in case they forgot. Okay. So, light-skinned, Ern is tasked with taking his mom, grandfather, and Aunt Jeannie to church while his retired father spends his Sunday morning at the mall. Hijinks ensue when Ern's mom drives away with her grandfather after claiming that her sister Jeannie is just keeping the father away from her to collect his social security checks. Ern has to deal with ramifications of his light-skinned aunt and her antics, and meanwhile, Ern's father goes on a journey where he's duped into buying a hat he doesn't need by a pretty woman and is made fun by a bunch of young Atlanta hooligans. Van, you already were getting into it. And the reason I knew you were going to like this episode, because when I was watching it, I have my own, this mirrored my family, but this is a family dynamic that is like very specifically black and Southern black in terms of like your dynamics. So can you please kind of like walk our listeners through why this is actually something that like Stephanie Robinson, the writer, did so well in depicting this family. Family, where I'm from. I am from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. What does family mean? Uh, Obviously, I come from a place where the familial ties and relations are almost ever-present, right? You're playing with somebody in school, you start talking to them, and you're like, hey, what'd you say your mother's name was? And 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 then all of a sudden... Boom, boom, boom. That's your cousin. I'm, I'm being serious about this. And don't even get me started about Maryland, where I'm from, uh, my father's hometown. Everybody there is legitimately related. One or two families over, you're related. So what happens is how you're related to someone has much more to do with the closeness that you were in which you were reared with them than whether or not you actually have blood relations to them. They're cousins that I have that are third cousins that are much closer than first cousins that I have, right? Um, And there are cousins that are cousins by marriage that I have that are way closer than actual first or second cousins might be because I'm from a place where so many people are related that it doesn't really matter. Uh, It matters more how you get on, right? Okay, having said that, I saw this in Ern's family. I saw people who are all brother and sister, right? And one aunt that has chosen to separate herself from them because of a perceived slight when really in the back of her mind, she knows that her sister has actually had to go through an actual slight. She had to find, Ern's aunt had to find a way to separate herself from the rest of her family because she's disagreeable. We all learned that. But then we understand why Ern is so particular and so off-kilter because his mom has been dealing with a in 
incredible sense of abandonment her entire life. Her whole life, she's felt minimalized and unseen by her father. So Earn has really, and look, I'm telling you, when you're, it, we talk about what we give, what your parents give to you on purpose, right? But we never talk about what they give to you like on accident, like the mental health issues that they give to you on accident, how their unhappiness becomes, forget about trauma and all of that stuff, just the unhappiness itself becomes a generational trait. The feeling that you're not good enough, the wanting that you'd have, all of that, so much of that character, so much of who Earn is, and I'm doing less than a stellar job of articulating it because I feel it so much. I related so much to this episode. I was him learning about the dysfunction between my father and his brothers. My mother, when I was 15, I learned that my grandfather wasn't my actual grandfather. That the man that I thought was my mother's actual father was her stepfather. And then I realized that she had actually never known her real father. And the guy that was my stepfather who really took after me was just some, I mean, this is my papa, don't get me wrong, but he was just an older gentleman who raised my mother and liked me. He, I was I didn't carry his same blood. It made me relitigate what these things what these things meant. And I didn't also understand why there was always sort of a barrier between him and my mom, why he was different with my Uncle Hal and my Uncle David than he was with me, and why she was some of the ways that she was, and why she why she pulled me so close and was so loving and so doting. She didn't feel connected as much to her brothers and in a way to some of the other people than, than other people in her family. It felt, she felt like a small alien and nobody ever wanted to bring it up because they knew that she felt that way. And in this episode, when, when she says, hey, he was cool with the rest of his children, but never really with her, and she made that face, I swear to God, dog, I've seen that fucking face before. I've seen three kids be in a room Two of them are looking at their father and one of them is looking at the man that raised them. And it's just not the same. And and like in the South, like it's particularly where I'm from, all of these dynamics, like they're at play. And Atlanta managed to, in this episode, without forcing the hand or being heavy handed at all, and I'm stopped talking after this, just, just expose those family dynamics to a degree, even when the aunt walks in the studio and Paperboy knows. He knows she's on bullshit. Yeah, like, he, he knows. You know that aunt. He knows she's bad news. He's like, shit. Uh, they, they like, man, we got to get out. Everybody just get the fuck out. We doing the whole <laughs> thing now. Just the whole thing. I really related here. And I, and it just it shows me how tapped in they are sometimes. As as someone who was who was raised for a while by my grandparents, I think what this episode really does well is like, it's hard to articulate, but there's the role that like a black patriarch plays that my grandfather played. He was the oldest of his siblings. And the way I have seven aunts and uncles, the way everybody looked at him 
my grandparents was constant politics. Because I was in the house, I got to hear the phone calls of when an uncle or aunt called and then what my grandfather would say after that. And I would see my Mm -hmm. uncles and aunts fighting for love, fighting for attention, fighting for affection. And I think this is something that's true in all families, but specifically in Black families, is that there's this constant succession-level hierarchy Uh that's based on different things. Are you light-skinned? You know what I'm saying? That's one level of it, of like the world treats you a different way. And sometimes your own family treats you a certain way. Then there's the like, who makes the most money? Who's the oldest? Who has the best job? All of these things. And what I realized as I grew up, being in such a big family, is that all of those politics get passed down to the next generation. I am the light-skinned person of the Midnight Boys. I realized when I had conversations with my cousins once we were grown up, how much it hurt their feelings that I was treated differently, not only by society, but sometimes in my family, because it this is what happens. Colorism, sometimes when you're light-skinned, there's self-hatred involved in terms of like how people perceive you, yeah. how people think just because you're light-skinned, you're more attractive. I had this great conversation with my cousin, who's now my sister, and she was like, she was like, yo, like you don't understand what it was like for us. You guys were the golden children. You guys looked a certain way, so everybody treated you a way that they didn't treat us. And I had to apologize. I'm like, I don't understand, and I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't. And that was stuff that was happening a generation before with people who, like, who came out looking this way, who came out looking that way. And I feel like we all have the light-skinned uncle. I'm one of them. The light-skinned auntie who's, like, uppity. And you're like, yo, what? Like, can you calm down? Can you stop acting like you're God's gift to the world? Please. So my bro- my uncle Hal wasn't uppity, but my mother felt like he was. Like I never saw it. <laughs> I, I, like, I never saw it. He like he moved away to California and stuff. He's a great guy, cool guy. Um, I never saw it. I remember my mom one time because my mother and my mother and my uncle David are both very dark skinned. My uncle Hal is not. He's the light skinned brother. So I remember one time my mom is talking and she goes, uh, "I that's." Never, I never saw this, but she goes, yeah, we all know that mom, and, and I love my mamo to death. My mamo, if she heard this, she would be, so I'm uh, like, I'm here, she doesn't hear this podcast because I don't know if she knows that mom said this. She goes, yeah, well, mama always favored Hal. I was like, why would he, why would she favor Hal? And if you knew Uncle Hal, you could probably understand why people would favor him. He's so funny. He, he yeah. like he was worldly. He was a great soldier, but she goes, no, she favored him because like he was light skinned, like he <laughs> taking up. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, 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 yeah. She's like, and she's, she's like, it's just the way that it was. Like she would favor him because he was light skinned. I'm like, shit, because I'm I'm dark and my sister is light like you to where you like you know how you motherfuckers we can see y'all veins and shit. Oh like, right, it, uh, 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 <laughs> like, like she's light like you, and that was. Never in my family, never. Like my mother is dark, my father is dark. It's one of those black. And my sister comes out. She's like, like you, there was never any favoritism shown towards her. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think she had it worse. And it might have been because my mom had some residual issues with that shit, and all of that shit coming out here 
we haven't even talked about the subplot of the father who just wants who 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 just wants to be he thinks that he wants to be left alone but what he really wants to be is seen and that is hard especially for older black men my dad went through that he wants to be left alone he wants a mall of quiet to himself so he can walk around until somebody starts to appreciate him. And then is, I'll buy whatever hat you fucking got. Because he just has not felt, as a black man of a certain age, he has not felt appreciated in a long time. And we can't really have this conversation in good faith right now because we have to make sure our sisters are appreciated and black men saying, I'm not appreciated enough is going to be met with, I right, nigga, calm down. But <laughs> you get like you got, you got get to a certain point. Remember what Chris Rock used to say with the, all the black daddy get is the big piece of chicken? You know what I mean? Like you get, to, you get to a certain point where he's like, I want to be away from all this chaos, but the moment someone tells him, he's willing to eat it up. Well, I mean... Think about what he says to Earn when Earn calls him for help. Because that is such a black dad thing to say. He's like, bruh, I've dealt with this for 30 years. You could deal with it for this afternoon. Like, right. he's, he's done. And what I think thematically is so special about this episode is that I think it's very clear at this point, four episodes in, that this season of Atlanta is so much about aging. And it's so much about, like, death and what we go through. And, like, you're seeing in this episode... Black characters that we don't get to see very often who are 50s, 60s, Earn's dad is retired now. And he's going through this thing where it's like he just wants a semblance of attention of like, oh, somebody sees me. Someone's complimenting me. Earn's mom wants this one moment with her with her father that has eluded her her entire career. You get Aunt Jeannie who like, you get the feeling that like, at one point, she was she was this desirable, hot thing that was out here in the world. Absolutely. Who's now fallen on hard times and, like, she can't depend on her looks as much. And she's now, like, stealing social security checks. And you can tell that's wounded her. And everybody else in the family, even Uncle Willie, he's like, yo, you while you're on the phone, you owe me $800. Yeah. They're, they're lapping it up. They're like, yo, like, finally, once the looks are gone, you like us now. And I think what's genius about that episode is like, how many shows do you really get to see 50, 60-year-old black people dealing with this layer of human emotion? The only show I've ever seen with this is actual real life. You would just watch it and, and you hear somebody be like, yo, man, don't nobody care about what you got going on. We don't give a <laughs> fuck about that. Like, why don't you relax and have a beer, please? When when she says, it's because I'm light-skinned, and then they laugh. And they go, man, <laughs> don't nobody care about you being light-skinned. Wait, can I just but say they, this real quick? Sure, of course. Light-skinned people, I have to, like, I have to say this to all of us. Bruh, the only thing that's worse than a white person who wants sympathy is a light-skinned person who wants sympathy. I ain't going to hold you up, Van. Being mm-hmm. light-skinned is pretty fun. It is pretty fun. Like, it is sure just it like, is. you get to be, you get to be part of the cause. Cool. But then you get to run around like your fake Drake. You get a lot of things in life. So when Jeannie starts going, she's like, y'all are bitter towards me. 
Yo, have hated me ever since we were kids. I'm like, yo, you need to chill. Like, you like really need to chill the fuck out. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, Visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on Cars.com. Also, the episode sets a template, and it's an interesting one, about how Earn and Al's relationship is going to be. They have, I think there's something else. So when me and my, my, my cousins and me and my family, we would look at some of the things that our parents and our uncles and our aunts went through, and we would be like, shit, man. I don't want to have to not speak to you for 15 years because you owe me three, $400. I don't want to argue with you over horses. I don't want to... It's people in the family that's like, yo, you see your aunt? I saw her first. He took her. Or I was dating her, broke up with her. I went to the army. Then they started dating and they got married. All kinds of shit that you don't learn until you can understand what they're talking about. And you look at your cousins and you like, damn, I don't really want to ever have them type of issues with you. Like I, don't, I want a much more functional family, a much more prosperous one, one that's a little bit more tempered and more enriching. And earn... And Al kind of have that. They've been able to come together, make something, build something, and, and really be able to communicate with each other about what each their individual needs are. So they, they kind of have that. And the juxtaposition from them to their parents and their aunts and un- uncles, it's really, it really stands out in this show. And there's some really funny moments 
along the way. Wait, let me pitch you on something really quick. Sure. Because I actually think that this episode is the spiritual successor to the season two um, episode, Alligator Man, with Uncle Willie. Because I went back and watched it, and Uncle Willie says something to, to Earn. He says, you scared. Gotta stay on his good side now because he Mr. Moneybags. Remember Uncle Jarvis used to manage Damon when he was in that group. Now they don't even talk no more because you find out family is business. And in this episode, you kind of get a peek into the larger family and realizing that, oh, Ern and Al, their relationship is playing out like this. And that's why Ern is scared and he turns to Paperboy and he's like, I don't want us to turn out like that. And that's what I think is actually genius because you you think about it. Uncle Will, Uncle Willie loaned, loans uh, Jeannie $800. She hasn't paid it back yet. These people haven't talked to each other. And what I think is so interesting about connecting Alligator Man to, to Light Skinned it is like, yo, as much success as both Paperboy and Earn have had, it's so hard to break out of that family cycle. And like, I don't know if you felt this in your own family where it's like when you're younger, you're like, man, I don't want to end up like my uncles and aunts. This is all bullshit. They're only talking. Everybody's mad. And then slowly but surely as you grow up, you lend your cousin a couple thousand dollars because he's on down on your luck. Somebody's like, don't loan him that. You're never going to see it. Then you're not talking to your cousin anymore. Do you know how I changed it? How'd you change it? I, I changed it by changing myself because you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm sorry I didn't mean to jump in, but you're you're right. I changed it by just going, if I give you this $2,000, I have to be, and I have done this so many times. If I give you this money, I have to be okay with never getting it back. And 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 I and I and I mean it. And the only thing I will say to somebody is, look, I look at you as broke now. <laughs> I, I, I do. Like I, I'm just I'm letting you know that uh, like I'm letting you know I'm not going to forget that I'm taking care of you. So there're going to be certain ways that you talk to me, right? But the reality is, I'm just this. It's it's just the way. It's going to be certain ways that you. I'm not going to forget that I'm taking care of you. But here, have it, because I'm not going to go through all of this bullshit with these people who can't who can't give me the bread back. It's like, and and by the way, I'm doing so. I'm I've been so blessed that I feel like I'm supposed to do that. But can I ask you this question then? Sure. This is how I think Earn and Alfred potentially break the cycle, because I have to become similar to you, where I realize that like very quickly at a young age. I was more successful, at least on a financial level, than some of my cousins, aunts, and uncles had been who were older than me. And I realized that I'm like, yo, Charles, why are you sweating people who didn't pay you back? Like, it's like at a certain point, like, you got to chalk it up to the game. What's the, what's the alternative? You never come to Thanksgiving. You never come to Christmas. You, and what I realized is that I'm like, if you think about it, all the, all the fights that the Marx family is having are because... All of them are growing up in a situation where, like, they don't even have it like that. And it's funny to see them talking about money in this way because, like, Paperboy could spend it, but Earn's father is like, nah, I got this. There's a pride involved. Yeah. Where he's like, yeah. Like, he's like, little nigga, you ain't paying for this. Like, calm down. And yeah, I was just I'm like, still, oh. I'm still the man. Yeah, of course. And what I want to ask you this, too. We litigated it last episode. Is Atlanta funny anymore? I got to be real with you. 
I came down on the fact that like Atlanta's going to do what it needs to do. I don't need my comedies to be like, ha ha, laugh out loud funny. Dog, this is one of the funniest. This one was funny. I've seen in like, there were so many moments where I like, I had to pause because I was like dying of laughter. This, this one was funny. <laughs> this one was funny. Like when he walked by and the mild, the, <laughs> so many small things about the show are perfect, right? The slightly exotic mall kiosk sales lady. Like, I, Kalika can tell you this. I was on the phone with Kalika walking through a mall in Chicago. And I'm on the phone with Kalika, but I'm walking through the mall in Chicago. And this lady says, Hey, can, can I see your hands? And I'm like, Uh, yeah. And she touched my hand, mildly exotic mall, and she touched my <laughs> hand and started rubbing some lotion in on it. And Kalika's like, uh, what's happening right now? I'm like, I don't know. This lady is like rubbing my hands, rubbing lotions on my hands. And she's rubbing. She's like, you see this? Does, does this feel good? And I'm like, yeah. Kalika's like, Van, get your stupid ass away from her before she sells you that shit. Get Wait, out of this How close were you to buying the lotion? I need to know. Bruh. She 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 told me that the lotion was so she looked at the back of my skin and she looked at my knuckles and she told me I had the knuckles of a fifty two year old man. She said, "How old are you?" I said, "I'm forty two. She says, "Your knuckles are fifty two. I'm like, "God damn, really? Like I didn't know that my knuckles had an age. Wait, did it hurt more because like she's bad, like she's hot? Yeah, of course <laughs> it did. I'm like, shit, I'm like, oh, people looking at me going, God damn, this nigga got some old ass knuckles. And so, but but Kalika's like, get away from her. Like, go buy that stuff. Um, but so the mildly exotic uh, uh, mall, so just down to the casting, got him. As soon as she said hello to him, I laughed. I'm like, I'm like, he's in over his head. No, when he's he when she head. took out the secret, the secret hat, I'm like, bro, if this isn't the perfect fucking Mm-hmm. old 60-year-old man hat. I'm like, dog, part of me was like, I probably would have bought it too. That is also Isaiah Whitlock, who, who's obviously, you know, from The Wires, playing Ern's father, fantastic, fantastic casting, who really doesn't look that great in a hat. <laughs> no, when she said you have the perfect head for a hat, I'm like, come on. Like, right. no, he doesn't. Like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> right. Like, and Isaiah Whitlock, he's like a legend, but my man, mm-hmm. come on. And that's what I felt, but I did feel bad because, like, when I talk about this season being about aging, like, you have to think about it. All he wanted is this empty mall. He's having such a good time. He gets this hat. He's feeling himself. And when the teenager walks up to him, I'm like, bruh, this young motherfucker is about to ruin his day. And you do realize, like, oh, all he wanted was to feel wanted, to feel to feel desirable, to feel like somebody wanted to talk to him, and to see how this young teenager treats him, it's the same thing that the white kid does to to Paperboy in the previous episode, where it's like you get to this certain age where it's just like, yo, am I worthless? Am I like past it? Do Mm -hmm. do people think I have nothing left to offer the world? Mm -hmm. It's so sad to witness. Right. I thought a scene at the end by the way, just on that real quick, he was feeling on top of the world. He had a new lease on life when he had the hat. The young man took it away in in, in two minutes. Brilliantly done. <laughs> I mean, if, if that's not a metaphor 
for yeah. being black in America. I don't know what it is. I'll give you another metaphor. So they're eating at the end of this, right? They're they're all eating. It's after church. Remember, because everybody has to pack up whatever went wrong and they have to still go out and do the same rituals that they always do. So they're eating. They're all together. And she wants some bread. Mom wants bread. Let me tell you why the bread is important. Think about what everybody's gone through throughout the day. And that's just like a normal day for them. Think about what everyone's gone through. Um, Ernst's mom has had to hear uh, from everyone the realization that her father never really cared for her and never really had a relationship for her. Even though she knew that, she had to hear that everybody else knew it and was, and was, she had to hear that. The dad had to have all of his confidence taken away. Ern had to be taken on this wild ride. That woman does not have the patience to listen to that boy say, he has to ask his manager for the bread. Yeah. Doesn't have the patience for it. At this point, all of these things that are distinctly black that we go through, right? At the end, we just want somebody to pack the bread up, put it in the thing so we can enjoy it. We feel entitled to the bread. The bread was supposed to come. It didn't come. We're living in this country that's given us all this dysfunction that is bleeding over into our family systems. We don't need you to ask nobody to get the bread. Put the fucking bread in the thing so we can go. It's like we didn't gone through a lot today. We didn't been through a lot for you to have to ask your manager if it's okay to put the bread in the thing. I have a question for you. Yes. A lot of times when we talk about family, when we talk about community, and when we talk about what it means to be connected as black people, we talk about it in times where we've bonded over traumas and things that have, that have gone wrong. I feel like in this episode, what Ern and Al are really going through is whether or not they can bond in their life over something more than trauma. Hmm. Think about it. When, when, when Auntie gets mad, the first thing she does is, is bring everybody together. That's the first thing she does is add Willie, add so-and-so, add, add Gloria. Like, the first thing she does is bring everyone together. How many times do you think all of those people have talked on the phone together like that when something wasn't wrong? Bruh, do you understand most of my childhood was literally the entire family getting together on Sundays to litigate some bullshit that someone else had done? And I'm just like, bro, like, why are we only hanging out when we got, like, we would be going, like, I didn't know it at this point. We'd be going out to, like, an Olive Garden, which is, like, it is a very black thing where it's, like, we might not have the most money, but we're going to go to a chain restaurant and act like we live in, like, kings. You know what I'm saying? Which Mm -hmm. speaks to the bread, where it's just, like, like, she looks at Ern's father and is just, like, you better not have bought anything. The MasterCard bill was too high. So you already know they can't afford this shit. Right. That's half of what the bread is. And you already know they're coming together because it's just like, yo, to your point, we only... Black people so many times, I think we are conditioned by America society to band together when there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. We don't know. It's so hard. You have to, You have to unlearn that and relearn. How do you talk to someone when it's not about struggle, when it's not about strife. And you yeah. see Ernst snap at Alfred. Alfred's like joking on him when they're looking at Aunt Jeannie. And Ernst turns to him and he's like, enough. And it's the first time I remember 
Alfred apologizing in real time to Earn. Because throughout these four seasons, so much of Atlanta is Paperboy kind of shitting on Earn. And it's only been until this season where, if you go back to last episode, Alfred realizes how hard it is to be a manager. He asks Earn, how do you do this? It's not until this episode where Alfred apologizes in real time for always giving Earn a hard time and is be like, all right, fuck, yeah, I get it. This is both of our aunts. We're in this together. And I think in real time, in such a little way, when they're walking together, not looking back at her, that is a very metaphorical thing of like, no, if we want to kind of break this cycle of toxicity, we have to be friends. We have to be two people who can bond over something that is not rooted in literally just our family's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, people are missing out. The conversation <laughs> about the show, Atlanta is doing its thing, man. You, I, We're four episodes in now. This is one of my favorite episodes of Atlanta, period. I think. So why are you, so why were you getting at me when I said it was a top three episode then? I, you know, I, I, gotta, I, get, I gotta, way, gotta get the people going. And by the way, I don't count the anthology episodes because... A couple of those anthology <laughs> episodes were insanely good, too. Like, ridiculously good. Amongst the best episodes of television I've seen. But this, this, this made me contemplate so many. If I was laughing. I was, it made me contemplate. So the moment where she drives off and takes the dad, she goes, I'm going to steal him. She drives off and takes the dad. I howled in laughter howled in laughter. This made me think so much. It was so familiar to me. Wait, we haven't even talked about the guest cameo. Was it a little bittersweet to see Gunna in this? I was like, oh, Gunna. And then I realized oh, he's man, like, that was tough. Yeah, that was, was tough. Like, Do you think you could be Gunna in Uno? Uh, it doesn't seem like Gunna's very good. <laughs> what are your house you. rules? I've never asked this. What are your Uno house rules? I go by the basic shit. I mean, like, I think there's some new things that in Uno that people are doing now. Like, I played Shar's daughter in Uno one time, and she had a card. They written on the card, and the card was like switch hands. And so, oh yeah, almost, yeah, that's a new card. I almost had her beat. I almost had her beat, and she's ridiculously smart and incredibly competitive. I almost had her beat. Boom, she switch hands. I'm like, yo, I'm like crazy. Very Wait, do you do stacking? Do you do stacking in your house? I'm a stacking household. You're talking about like draw two, four, six, eight, the whole the whole joint? Like if it's same color, you could stack. Same number, you could stack. If you have multiple like draw fours, wilds, you could stack. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, yeah. I just just checking. Just checking. Yeah, but that's the but like <laughs> we the Uno that we used to play was like speed Uno. They're like them cars were coming out quick. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick, boom, 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 boom. I had to almost break up with my girl if she wins too many times at Uno. I'm like, fuck this. Fuck this whole house. I'm leaving. <laughs> I don't play head up Uno, though. What do you mean? I won't play if it's only two people. That's true. If it's only two people, I won't play Uno. Hey, let's play Uno. Nah, let's play a game. This, like, I won't play head up Monopoly. What about Connect Four? Connect Four, I'll get mad at. Well, Connect Four is a head up game, so of course I play head. I like I play head, head up Connect Four, but I play. We played Team Connect Four one time, and like it really ruined the date because I was looking at this chick like, "Yo, are you? What the fuck? Why would the fuck would you do that?" Wait, but see, here's the thing. This is why I can't play 
we're going to wrap this up soon. I can't play Monopoly with friends because, like, let's say it's me and my girl and we on a team, right? Uh-huh. And she's fucking up. Like, I'm just like, bro, like, I'm not about to lose in front of my best friend right now. Yeah. Like, come on. We got to, like, I can only play with Monopoly people who are real Monopoly heads. I can't do that shit. Also with Monopoly, real quick, we'll bring it back to the show. I promise you guys. But also with Monopoly, you got to play with people that are willers and dealers. Like, you got to play. <laughs> like you can, I can't play Monopoly with people who don't want to trade cards and shit. When I'm playing Monopoly, I got to be there with some <laughs> cutthroat wheelers and dealers. Because I need to be able to look at somebody and be like, look. Because what I'll do is I, I'm a, when, when I'm playing Monopoly, I'm a slumlord. <laughs> Like that whole first row right there, I yeah, fuck it, fuck around and try to get Boardwalk, Park Place, and all of those. I'm gonna build low income housing right here, <laughs> and then I'm gonna get that other thing. I'm gonna have like four or five. See, that's the thing. A lot of people think Park Place and everything, Boardwalk are the real ones. I'm like, nah. You want them them small like warm colors? Put one right. house on each. Come on, one bro. house on each, bro. I like when we play. We let we we allow you to stack the hotels up because a lot of times they say only one hotel. Not me. I stack up four or five hotels on Baltic, and you you like you come through there. I slam your dumb ass. But um, I, I just thought I thought this episode was fantastic. I know that we're not seeing as much Darius and Zazie because Darius and Van because they were shooting the harder the harder they fall. So, <laughs> so. I mean, to, I do want to ask you this. My uh-huh. last two things for you first. Sure. I got to be real, man. I really wanted to see more Uncle Willie. Cat Williams is one of the most talented entertainers for like how much he can squeeze out of a scene, even though he's on, like he's probably in total in this episode for no more than five minutes. And that yeah. might be even too much. It's still, I was like, bro, you could have given us one more Uncle Willie episode. I looked at it and I'm like, he's just good in this role. Cat is just great in this role. He's would you doing do a break, his would thing. you do a a, a Breaking Bad type spinoff, Better Call Saul with Uncle Willie? Would love it. <laughs> would love it. Would love if Uncle Willie got his own show because he's grilling on a Sunday, and I'm like, is he by himself grilling? Like oh. by himself grilling? He said that he was busy. He's like he's doing. He's doing like I would love an Uncle Willie show. And my last thing for you, and this is probably where we can wrap up, is why do we think this episode stands out so much in terms of late-stage Atlanta? I had an idea where I think a lot of times we remember Atlanta as something that's so surreal um, that really gets at the heart of, like, just weirdness. It is one of those shows that it bowled us over the first time because you remember where you were when you saw the invisible car or all of these different things. Yeah. But to me, this actually kind of got back to the nucleus of Atlanta that we don't talk about as much. I agree, yeah. Which is, like, showing us something that is so black and so familiar and so nostalgic that, A, you rarely see on TV and done in such a way that you're like, wait, why aren't there, like, 10 or 15 shows that are just like this. It, there was something when I was watching this that I was like, oh, this is my family. Yeah. Like every single aunt and uncle, I'm like, that's that motherfucker. That's that motherfucker. Like I've had this exact conversation. And that's what I sometimes feel like we forget about Atlanta is that it is just, it's so nostalgic and it just hits the nerve in a certain way. 
Yep. There's never been a show that I can remember that made me feel like sometimes I'm watching something that takes place on another planet and that sometimes I'm watching something that's taking place in my childhood home. It's just never been another show that can take me so far away but also hold me so close at the same time. And they're just executing at a high level. Loved this episode. Thought it was fantastic. Thought it was great. I think Stephanie Robinson might be one of my favorite writers. Like, I think her and Stephen Glover, yep. like, just whenever I see their name, I'm like, bro, they're about to fucking kill this fucking about to get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, 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 I'm all out of thoughts, man. It, 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 it was fantastic work for me. Yo, guys, that is our episode of Prestige TV. Thank you so much to Van. As always, we were both excited this episode. Thank you to Kerm for producing. And y'all, we will be back next week to talk about episode five of the last season of Atlanta. Pew-pew! Pew-pew! This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.